Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. One of the best Dublin tech meetups is Dublin Tech Talks, organised and run by Harvey Nash. At their meetup last month, I got to meet their main speaker, James Dorn, and you can hear it now. Hi, welcome to Tech Tickness Podcast, and we're talking with John Dorn, who's the uh, Director of uh, uh, Engineering in the Forest. How are you doing, John? Hey, Ronan. Thanks for having me. No problem. Tell a bit about your background. So, um, yeah, my name is John. I'm Director of Engineering of Forest, Forest Salon Software. I've um, been working there for three years. Before that, I was working in a company called MTT, Travelport Digital, for five years. Uh, so, working a lot on product, scaling, uh, growing companies, um, purely technical background, so technical lead, um, and uh, basically building the, the team of Forest over the last few years, helping us scale. So um, we, we're, you know, we're a business that are focused on the hair and beauty industry. We build software that helps small businesses grow and run, run their, their whole, whole company. And um, yeah, really enjoy it there. Okay, so your job also involves basically uh, with Forest, it's mainly only booking systems and, and apps. How do they work? Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I guess like Forest has, has been around a long time, uh, so I guess important to kind of give a bit of background to it. So yeah. we've been going for twelve years, and it started off as simply an SMS, uh, an SMS provider. You know, marketing messages to different businesses and and stuff. And uh, essentially, Ronan, our founder, he he hooked into that vertical um, of the the beauty industry, which uh, you know people maybe look down on or or turn their nose at a little bit. But it's you know it's it's a huge industry, a huge niche. Um, and what he figured out is if he builds uh, appointment-based software for, for that industry really, really well and, and helps them to run and grow their business, that we, you know, we will succeed in turn. So the whole mission of Forest is all, all about you know, helping that small SMB to, to get off the ground, to, to run their business, to give them insights and in, in how they're performing and, you know, to help them keep and retain their customers. So we build a lot of marketing retention tools that would, you know, look at when a customer is about to, to you know, go out of their cycle of a booking and, and get them back in. Yeah. So that, that's the, the whole premise of it. And um, you mentioned, like, how it all works. You know, we've got a, a, a large cloud backend and, and that is essentially hosted in in Europe and America we've got a lot of customers in America and uh, we've got essentially a point of sale system that is installed in the hair salons and we've got apps that all of the stylists and beauty therapists use and then we have online booking platform which which allows digital bookings to come through the system so about about 10% of the bookings through the whole system are, are digital, so they come through apps or, or the online booking widgets. Yeah. And they'd be people like, you know, your wife, or whatever, booking a hair appointment through the system. Is the app basically, is it Android or iOS-based? We've got native apps that we we, we essentially, for, we onboard about 180 salons every month right yeah. now. And for each of those salons, we give them a native Android and iOS app, yeah. which is branded for them and released to the App Store. And we also provide them a booking widget, which is installed on their website, you know, like a little book now button. Yeah. So that's the kind of customer-facing stuff. And then on the salon side of things, you know, we have everything from payment integrations, financial reporting, email editor, marketing marketing stuff to, to help drive the business, you know, booking appointments and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's good. And when you've been rapidly scaling, what issues have you faced and what have you found the solutions? So I would say a big issue for us when we were getting started was 
building bespoke or custom features based on getting a sale. Yeah. So by say potentially, you know, we're getting going, we're trying to build a customer base, but you know, this big chain comes along or this big customer that has a lot of clout in the industry says, you know what, we need this custom report, we need this bespoke thing. And sometimes we we would have made the mistake of going and doing that for them and in turn making the product twice as complex, you know, then in two years time when, when a new engineer goes to look at that code or or someone asks, why is that feature there? And we say, kind of have to go back and look at it. And it's like, oh, we built it for X customer. So I would say over the last few years, we've definitely matured and and moved away from that. Um, so we, we did things like we built out a developer a developer API to let people hook into the system rather than having to, to go and do that sort of stuff. That, that was definitely a big one, I would say, yeah. a big change for us over the last few years. And what solutions did you find when you were doing this? In terms of... Basically, when you find a problem, you find a problem that's just mm-hmm. in the future you could use, so when we go through yeah. this game, you knew what not to do, what to do. So if, if, if we were starting again, you know, it's a really hard balancing act. You need customers, you need money, you need to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe you could be more reasonable with the customers or, or um, try to look at what the real problem is they're trying to solve and, and, and look at it in a bigger, a bigger picture. But lots of other stuff, you know, um, as, as we got, got going, we, the first version of the platform was all on-premise. It was eight years ago. The system was, you know, there was no cloud backend. It was literally everything stored on the Salon's computer. So, uh, you know, it was a real challenge for us. We actually, we've gone through two rewrites of the whole platform to, to get it from on-premise to, to cloud-based. Uh, and then when we were on cl- cloud-based, we could actually do online bookings in the apps and, and that was yeah. huge for us. So, yeah. I guess with a ton of clients might might have been, been aware of the cloud. They're terrified, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they, they're terrified of where the data is. They're terrified of a system being down or the internet being down. We're talking about Mary Salon in, in Ballina, you know, maybe doesn't have a great internet connection and, yeah. you know, you need to be really uh, careful with them and we, we have a really high touch with them. You know, we don't have you know, a, a chat bot, bot that just, you know, replies after 12 hours. We really hold their hand throughout the whole onboarding experience, support, um, through everything, um, even product discovery, getting feedback from them. We, we, we really lean on our customers and have a really good relationship with them. And I guess you mentioned with that, but if the system isn't that fast, it can work in a 3G network if possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, definitely, you know, things have improved over the years and uh, we we actually, the, the first uh, rewrite of the product, we, we went with a native uh, application like a Windows and Mac app, yeah. talking to the back end and we've over the last year started moving that to being web-based because at the time it, felt it was definitely a good decision, I would say, to go with more of the native app, but now we, we need to be web-based in order to, to scale, so... For example, us to, to push an update to the software to 5,000 salons, pushing native installers yeah. into the salons is huge friction, causes a lot of uh, support, uh, I guess, frustrations. Imagine uh, the salon owner doesn't uh, open up uh, the network to, to, to that sort of stuff yeah. or staff don't know how to do the install. So we, we need to be web-based to be able to, to move faster and, and, and yeah, scale. Yeah, I guess it means on the weekend that time you can, you can then push up the updates when they've not been used. Yeah, so, but it's hard as well because they don't shut down their systems or restart them. Yeah. So uh, the, the installers need to like be, be smart enough to detect versions and install, uh, install yeah. the updates and stuff, yeah. I guess that's basically something that you get used to over time. So now when you're dealing with your clients, you want know, yeah. to tell them that basically that when you finish mm. that for the day, sure, your system down because there could be updates coming up. Yeah, so um, I think a big change for us over the last few years is 
we when we were getting started we were moving really fast we were shipping lots of products we were doing lots of updates but we had a small team so that was okay with say one guy working on a, a complete area of the system but as the product grew more complex and we needed to onboard more people we needed to kind of take that tribe knowledge away from that maybe one person who knew how, how to do that part of the system uh, and have a team working around around it so as, we, as a team we want to ship really fast and we want to we want to update and we want to you know validate our assumptions and, and experiments with with the product so back end we were able to move to that more of a kind of continuous delivery model so yeah. having good automation in place and being able to ship was really important um, and get away from having that reliance on one person but that's fine on the back end side of things but the frustration is definitely still on the front end because you're locked into a, you know a really tight contract with the back end and you can't you can't move so a release cadence on on the back end is is you know multiple times a day but on that front end it's maybe once a month so we're we're really pushing hard to to move that to web that's kind of the next because step because when someone's looking at the front end they're used to a certain way it looks and feels yeah. and if that changes overnight yeah, we have to be really careful as well. We've got a lot of uh, dyslexic users yeah. and people who are really sensitive to the, the color of the, the software. So if you can imagine that point of sale system is sitting in the in the salon all day, they're looking at it all day, moving around appointments, booking people in. So we need to be super careful with that. And we're, you know, we, we do really gradual rollouts. We do a lot of feature flagging and, and user user testing on that stuff to make sure we're, we're moving in the right direction because they would get very, very scared if we... Because for me, yeah. it's like when a person's used to system know where everything is suddenly yeah. the button they're going to isn't there anymore and everything yeah. they're used to mm. or to Oh, just over there, click the button there, this comes mm-hmm. up. Like, they get very used to it as well. Like we, we built the product over, say, eight years and there's a lot of stuff there that we want to change, but they get very used to having things work in a certain way and when yeah. you change them, you have to expect a little bit of kickback. But the way we look at it is we're going to grow so much that we need to, to look after not only the current customers but make the product as good as possible for new customers as well. So we need to make, take that into account. And, and I guess you else. can change it slowly over time. You <clears> can tell them over time you're going to find things are going to be changed. Yeah. Exactly. But they get used to it gradually. It's not yeah. like you're going to sneak one to yeah. come in and find it that you are in your yeah. totally gone. What you do isn't there yeah. anymore. And what's important as well is to you know show the value of, of those changes. So when you're delivering really cool functionality that's saving them a lot of time and, and impacting their day-to-day, uh, that, that kind of help, helps validate that. Now, also, you've got a lot of experience in, the, in scaling rapidly for different companies. How yeah. would you help to give somebody who wants to scale rapidly? Mm-hmm. So if I was going for startup and I was talking to somebody who was maybe just getting off the ground, I would tell them to really start with um, some best practices, but not to, to overdo on them because you obviously want to focus on building products and validating assumptions and all that good stuff. But starting with good principles for me is automation. It's valuing how you deploy your software and having good uh, steps in place to, to release and ship functionality. So. If you find yourself doing a lot of stuff manually, you need to look at how you can automate it. Um, Lean on AWS or Google Cloud Platform. um, You don't want to have to worry about hosting servers or any of that kind of stuff. You want to to focus on doing what you do best and solving your customer's problem and, and outsourcing that to a cloud provider. That's definitely the first thing. And then it's about the people. So you need to have really good people who you can trust. Yeah. People who care about some of those good practices and won't make, make shortcuts or, you know, let you make maybe make mistakes. Um, people who care about doing things right, I think that's really important. And and you know, if you if you see if you see that, you know, as your product gets more complex yeah. and it gets really slow to make changes, or you hear your engineers complaining about tech debt and stuff, 
you probably need to take a look at you know you know are, are we adding these features and are we making things better as we go along um one of the engineers on my team has a great expression he uh, he says that we're writing software not hardware so it should be very soft and easy to make changes instead of really hard and frustrating yeah. so that you know again coming back to it you shouldn't really look to over engineer or over architects especially when you're getting started but having some good practices in place is really important I think yeah. I guess also make sure that when you're developing if a customer comes along and wants you to, to adapt it it's easy to change it and modify it yeah but it depends on if it's the right right thing for the yeah. product vision so product needs to have a vision and you need your your company needs to know where it's going so Far Forest our mission is to help salon owners to grow their business, retain customers, and generate referrals. And what that means is we have a very steadfast approach and roadmap to doing that. And we won't let customers who come at the side and try to say, oh, we need to build this custom thing because we know that for all of our customers, if we stick to our strategy, it will benefit all of them and not just that one customer. Yeah. So it's keeping that in your mind and, and keeping those values in place as you as you move, forward, move so forward. So basically you're telling your clients that we know what product works best for you, but yeah. other clients use as well, and yeah. they're telling us yeah. that their feedback is yeah. this works, and what you're saying yeah. isn't going to be beneficial at, at all in the long term. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, you're going to get differences in the product depending on your region. So we've got uh, Ireland and the UK, Germany, Finland, the US, and Australia. Now, Ireland, UK, and Australia are actually really similar yeah. for us in terms of a software product, but Germany uh, is totally different, and so is the US. For example, in the US, you've got really complicated tax systems and commission systems. Yeah. In Germany, you've got extremely complex and strict lockdowns of systems. So in terms of how you deal with purchases, there's a thing called GDB, which which is, is essentially a, a government compliance rules around transactions and yeah. stuff. So completely different. So that, they're, they're kind of, it's just kind of making sure your product is able to bend towards those kind of re- regional differences. Yeah. And then it's another podcast. No, I mean, um, I think we've, we've covered a lot of good stuff there. Um, for us, for Forest, over the last uh, few years, we've learned a lot around how we build products and and scaling the team. So um, I think it's also important to, to kind of continually look for feedback from your team, talk about what their fr- frustrations are, where, where should we be, use, use them. Those guys are, are the people who are, are working on the software day to day. Uh, one thing we did, we, we noticed that as we, the product group is 25 people now, but when, once we went past 10 people, we noticed it was very hard to make a decision or get a consensus on, on you know, how do we build this or how do we deliver this feature. So we, we ended up splitting the team into tribes. Yep. So different uh, tribe focus on different areas of the roadmap. And what that meant for us was that we could allow... Um, it allowed, you know, the, the Bezos uh, two pizza rule. It was, it was essentially, you know, having pe- people focused on single problems and, 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 and running with them. And that, that was a big change for us, I would say. All right. Thanks for that, John. Cool. Thanks, Ron.